right, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Wednesday night service. We're going to have an awesome time together tonight in the house of the Lord. Amen. Looking at the word of God, fellowshipping and worshiping Jesus. Can we get an amen tonight? All right, we're going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. So let's stand up together this evening, and we're going to keep on doing this, and we are going to see revival, and we're going to see a difference because there is power in our words. Do you know that tonight? This isn't just a tradition. It's not just something we do because we got nothing better going on. We believe that when we speak to the mountains, they shall move. Amen. So let's go ahead and speak these words of faith together tonight. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise tonight. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Amen. And we are in agreement for Florida and all those states over there with the hurricane hitting. In Jesus' name, they are protected. And Satan is bound from causing uh, loss of life and everything else, but especially our Christian brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, they're protected. Amen. All right. Well, we've got a few uh, updates here. And so, uh, first of all, with the construction process, uh, they're going to be starting, um, I believe, uh, by the end of this week. They're wanting to get in and start working on bathrooms and stuff. So that's really good news for us. Amen. Uh, they were out here today looking at uh, everything and getting their final uh, measurements and adjustments. So we are well on our way to indoor plumbing and lots of other wonderful modern features and conveniences. All right. So <laughs> praise God. Uh, all right. Um, let's see. Harvest Fest, of course, the 28th. Uh, we've got uh, the Carl's Jr. fundraiser went great. They told me they made a good profit at that. And then uh, the yard sale was wonderful. Uh, next up, we have the spaghetti dinner uh, coming up on the 9th. And uh, they need you, if you're going to be participating, which you should, I mean, hey, you're going to be eating lunch that day anyway. Why not just grab it here and get it to go? And so all the proceeds will go to Harvest Fest. But there's the cost up there. And if you can start paying uh, now, that'll help them start getting supplies and stuff. But just go to the Harvest Fest table uh, back there uh, by the bookstore, and you can take care of that. And then, of course, we need candy, 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 candy. So keep bringing in the candy and filling up the bins. And uh, we, we're trying to do the most candy bags we've ever done, 1,500. And I believe we're going to do that. And we don't want chintzy little bags. We want our cup to overflow. Amen. Just like Psalm 23 says. And so our cup runneth over with candy, specifically Kit Kats. Am I right? Yeah. All right. You know, it's in there. It's in the Message Bible. Look it up. All right. So... Anyway, I, I tease about the Message Bible, and I'm literally going to use it in my sermon tonight. So that's the kind of guy I am. Anyway, uh, so keep bringing in candy. All right, men's meeting is Saturday at 9 a.m. So men, come on out. Uh, pastor's bringing the word, and Robert is cooking breakfast. Hey, right? Let's do it. Yeah. Hey, you know it's going to be a good time when Brother Robert gets back there in that kitchen over there. All right? 
many good memories have been made at the men's meetings uh, with Robert in the kitchen. All right. So um, I'm going to, uh, well, let's also let's really let you know about the Lyft family picnic at the park. It's Tuesday the 11th. That's coming up uh, from 5 p.m. to dark at 8th Street. And uh, I encourage you, man, come on out, whether you've got little kids, older kids, no kids, everybody come on out for a good time together. And last time there was lots of games, lots of food, and it was a wild, really good time uh, back in May when we did this. So come out that night for a couple hours of just really good fellowship. And maybe you've been wanting to meet more people and connect with other people. This is the perfect opportunity to do that. All right. Uh, I'm going to have Mrs. Pastor come on up. Amen. And she's going to talk about the Sunday service and then go ahead and do the uh, tithes and offerings for tonight. All right. Thank you, my dear lad. <laughs> all right. Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Transition service. Be here. It's it, This is going to be a historical event. High, High Desert Word Center is 51 years old. Didn't realize how old we were, did you? 51 years old this church is. And pastors Dave and Katie will be the fifth senior pastors. We're the fourth. Pastor and I are the fourth. So it's an historical event. Also, did you realize that this this uh, October the 1st, which is Saturday, there's a big thing going on down at the Harvey House because Barstow is 75 years old this year. And so I thought to myself, wow, High Desert has had a big influence for the last 51 years on this region. And so I think that's super exciting. So please be here. You may want to uh, come a little early because you're expecting a couple hundred people, right? So you may want to come in here if you don't want to sit on the floor or stand along the wall. Okay. All right. All right. Um, if you need an envelope for your giving, raise your hand and one of these... Wonderful ushers will be more than happy to put one in your hand. The the verse today is Luke 6:38 in the King James Bible. Now y'all ought to know this because it's simple. You ready? Let's stay it together. You ready? Jesus said, "Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom." For with the same measure you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Amen. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, pastors, real quick story about good, me- the same measure, you know, good measure. Um, one time he was saving quarters in a big, you know, pickle jar. And, uh, this was years ago before I married him. And the, and the Holy Ghost said, give those to your brother John. And so he didn't want to give them to his brother John. But he gave them to his brother John anyway, and he was obedient. He gave his, his uh, pickle jar full of quarters to his brother. And then, years later, when Pastor and I were married and when you guys were little, these truck driver friends of ours brought one of these big plastic tubs to our house full of quarters that they would, you know, they would put it between them when they were driving their truck and just throw their change in there, and it was full of quarters. So, anyway, pretty good stuff, huh? All right, well, let's say our financial faith confession, and then you can come on up here and worship the Lord and... Bring your tithes and offerings. Amen. We bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today. We believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, 
blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for bringing all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Also, the October devotionals are in. They're back on the info booth.
Calling 
Let's raise our hands together tonight. Thank you, Jesus. We know that we can recall time and time again where we can fully say that you have been faithful to us. You've never left us alone. You've never uh, just left us in the dirt, left us to fend for ourselves. You've always been there. You've always come through. And Jesus, we know that whatever we may be facing today, you were faithful then. You'll be faithful now, Lord, and you will bring us through it. Thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Thank you, Jesus. You are good and your mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord some praise together tonight. Amen. The Lord is good. Amen. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. Praise the Lord. I love that verse. All right. Well, we're going to have a good time getting into the Word of God together tonight. And uh, who all brought their Bibles with them? You brought a Bible, right? All right. We're going to be looking at a whole bunch of Proverbs this evening. And uh, I was uh, in a prayer meeting uh, yesterday, and and I I came across this verse, and it just jumped out at me, and I knew it's what the Lord wanted me to kind of talk about tonight. But the title is this, Think Before You Speak. Think before you speak. Now, who in here, maybe you've kind of, that's maybe burned you a time or two where you, you spoke uh, before you had a chance to think that through. I'll raise my hand. Yeah. You know, you got to think before you speak. And that's not just good, you know, practical wisdom. That's Bible, man. And so what I want you to do is open up tonight to Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs 15. Amen. Who's excited to learn from the Bible tonight? Amen. High Desert Word Center. We are all about the Word of God. All right, now take notes tonight. At least write these verses down because I'm going to hit you with a lot, and I want you to get them, especially a lot of Proverbs. But Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 28 gives us the main uh, the main focus for what it is we're discussing. Proverbs 15 and verse 28 in the NLT, it says, The heart of the godly, anybody godly in here? Sure you are. All right. The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. The mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. And so if you're a godly person, your heart, amen, it wants to think carefully before you speak. Now, apparently it's a, the, the wicked person, their mouth just overflows with evil words pouring out. And I mean, you know, we don't have to name names, but hey, you probably know a wicked person that they just let wicked and evil words overflow from their mouth. I was just, I was thinking about this. Uh, uh, I was sitting at a soccer game a few years ago. And uh, my, me and my mom were talking yesterday. It reminded me of this. And so anyway, a prominent person in our community, uh, as I'll say about it. But I had to sit next to this dude at a soccer game. And he just kept saying, GD, GD. And that's the worst cuss word. If you want to label him, saying God's name like that, that's, gotta, that's about the worst thing you could say. And after a while, I'm like, this dude, what is up with this? I mean, we're at a, a soccer game. And, that you know, there's any of the four-letter words I don't want to hear, but you're going to sit there and nonstop say that, and I was just so disgusted. I got up and left. I had to apologize. I was, you know, there to see a a teenager from the youth group play soccer. I I couldn't finish the game. I, I, I can't. That's just awful, and so what I know about this individual is they must not be a very godly person if that just, especially that word, just 
flows from your mouth like water from a garden hose. That is messed up. But listen, if you are a godly person, it is a righteous and holy and biblical thing to slow down and think before you speak. And since it's 2022, I believe we could use the words uh, to think before you type or before you post, right? We can interchangeably, synonymously use these words. And so the heart of the godly thinks carefully before posting. Can I get an amen, church? I mean, I mean, you know, I don't think I'm too far out of bounds by saying that. Uh, the heart of the godly thinks before typing. Uh, the mouth of the wicked just overflows with their evil types and texts and tweets and all that. All right. And so I'm going to talk about three areas tonight that you need to think about before you speak. And 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 uh, I'm going to look at three things that you will avoid if you would make this a habit and a discipline in your life. So let's pray, and then I'm going to look at these things tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for our time together in your word tonight. And Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts to receive uh, what it is you're trying to speak to us tonight. And we know, Lord, that your word, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes the innermost thoughts of the heart. And so I pray tonight that your word, if it needs to uh, fix us tonight, it'll fix us. If it needs to encourage us, it'll encourage us. But we thank you that we ain't leaving here the same same as we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Public apology. I shouldn't have said ain't in front of my mom. She's going to tell me after the service. So amen. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and get into this. My mom was an English major in college, and I grew up in a redneck town where nobody spoke correctly, okay? It was wild every day just trying to, to you know, these rednecks trying to correct the grammar. Anyway. All right. So the first thing is this. If you will think before you speak, number one, you'll avoid hurtful words. You will avoid hurtful words. Now, I've, I've tried the best I can to make it a practice in my life to not speak out of emotion. Now, when you say things out of emotion, you'll say things that you don't really mean sometimes, right? And you'll exaggerate things. And I know this much that You'll burn bridges and you'll cause nuclear destruction in your life if you just want to, you know, in the heat of the moment, that is not the time to say the first thing that comes to your mind. That's the time to hold on, you know, pause, take a minute, talk to Jesus, all right, and 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 re- recoup and then say what you need to say. But uh, I want to go to James 1.19. We're going to get a little bit of New Testament in here real quick. James 1.19. And this is just a really, really good verse for us to know. James chapter 1 and verse 19. And I believe that, man, we we just, I need to hear this. We all need to hear this tonight. James chapter 1, we're going to look here at verse 19. And it says this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Who thinks that sounds like some godly biblical advice for our lives, man? Now, uh, I'll say that most people I know, they do obey this verse, but they do it in reverse, all right? So a lot of they're quick to get angry, quick to speak, and slow to listen. I mean, I've been there. You've uh, Maybe you've been there, too, where you've been in that spot. But we know this, that it's real easy to blurt the words out it's a whole lot harder to take them back in. 
Now, I remember back when I was in youth group, you know, 100 years ago, we, my youth leader would do this uh, illustration where you take a tube of toothpaste and just squeeze it all out, right? It's real easy to just squeeze it out, right? And, and, and then once it's out, you're like, okay, whoo, got it all out. But the hard part is putting it all back in exactly how it was. And with our words, it's real easy when you're squeezed to just get it all out. But sometimes the damage that is done when you try to, you, you can't get it all back in, at least not without having a catastrophic mess on your hands. And 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 I've always thought of that. But I want to show you, uh, look at chapter 3 here, James 3. Now this is, the whole chapter is dynamite about dealing with our words. Now, as promised, I'm going to read a few verses out of the Message Bible here tonight. Uh, I do like the way that it words these. So, uh, anyway, the Message Bible, uh, you know, I tease about it a lot, but sometimes it is interesting to get the uh, the paraphrase version and and it's super modern English on it. So, anyway, I've read this out of the NLT and preached out of it in the New King James many times. But I want to look at uh, just verses three through six out of the Message Bible tonight. Uh, It says, a a bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. You ever seen that? I mean, my family, we've done horses, we've owned horses, we've ridden horses, and it's crazy. You can have this, you know, I don't know how much they weigh, a thousand pound animal, and you can control this giant thing with just a little bitty part just like this. You put that little bit in their mouth, and you can control this massive beast and make it do whatever you want it to do, basically. It's incredible. Because if you can control the mouth, you can control the whole beast. And think about your life. If you can control the mouth, you can control the whole beast. Now, let's let's look. Uh, keep going here. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. Think about that. Your words can accomplish nearly anything. They can also destroy just about anything. Verses 5 and 6. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. How many wildfires have we seen in California where somebody's just driving down the road and tosses a cigarette out the window, right? And that, just a little spark, maybe they even thought they put it out. All it took was one little spark to hit some dry grass, and next thing you know, thousands of acres, hundreds of homes, maybe people's lives were lost, and someone would say, oh, it's just a little spark. What could it really do? Ah, when it hits just the right place, it can destroy things. And your words, you may think it's just a little word. If it hits just the right place, just right then, Man, it can just destroy lives and relationships and people. It can wreck your faith. And so it says, by our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos. Oh, my goodness. Throw mud on a reputation. Send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. And I mean, that's just, that's real blunt, but that's the truth. One little word, it can turn harmony right into chaos. It can throw mud on a reputation. It can blow things up. 
Now, a mature Christian, which is, that's the goal around here. The, the aim and the goal is to make disciples and mature Christians, right? And so a mature Christian, they know how to properly use their words like a carpenter uses his tools. You, I mean, especially, we try to teach this all the time, that you can use your words to make great things happen in your life, speaking them in faith. And you can also tear things down with your words. Now, I can use my words to lift Jesus up. Amen. He said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I would draw all men unto me. I want to lift Jesus up and praise him with my words. I can build people up with my words. I can tear down with my words. I could tear people down, which would be wrong. But even bigger and greater than that, I can tear down the works of the devil by speaking the word of God to the situation. Amen. Amen. Come on. We're in the business of building up and tearing down, but tearing down the works of the devil, not tearing down people that God made. Can we get an amen tonight? So we're going to use our words and a mature Christian. They know how to use their words like a tool and they also know how to hold back and to pump the brakes on their words. Now, you know who was really good at refraining and holding back on their words? Jesus was a master at knowing when to speak up, knowing when to turn some tables, but also knowing when to refrain and just not say anything at all. You know, I think about in John chapter 8 when they're accusing the woman caught in adultery and they're like, hey, teacher, what do you say? He didn't say anything. He's just sitting there drawn in the dust. What do you, come on, what are you going to say? What's your answer? He didn't say a word. Then finally, After he paused, after he took some time, he goes, okay, fine. Go ahead and stone her, but he who was without sin, let him throw the first stone. What an answer. He took his time. But if you were to look at Isaiah 53, the Messianic prophecy, in great detail of the crucifixion, verse 7 tells us that as he was being, you know, beaten and taunted, it says he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent, before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Out of all of that, Jesus didn't defend himself. Jesus didn't, and, and it was a phony trial. It was a bogus, I mean, they held court at midnight, all right, seriously. We don't even do that today with electricity, okay? Back then, they're, yeah, they're, they're holding a, a court trial at midnight with candles. It was bogus. It was baloney. It was just a, a, a whole crooked thing. But out of all of it, Jesus didn't speak up to defend himself. And in fact, the, 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 the soldiers and everybody was getting so mad at him for, you know, say something. He was just silent because he knew, no, no, it's not. he knew it wasn't the time to speak up and say something. So Jesus exercised incredible, outrageous restraint with his words. And I think if anybody could have just blurted out and said something, it would have been him because it would have been right anyway. I mean, he wasn't going to do something wrong, but Jesus knew how to restrain his lips. And there is a proverb that says, he who refrains his lips is wise. Now, I didn't look up that exact reference, but that is a proverb, right? And another, probably the second best person I know that knows how to restrain their lips is the man that my dad and I talk about the most, admired probably the most, Brother Kenneth Hagin. He was an expert master at just not even answering the critics, people, you know, insulted and taunted and made fun of. And, and, and everyone's like, why don't you say something back? 
And he said this one time, he said, listen, I'm not going to give them the time of day. If they accuse me of killing my own grandma, I wouldn't take the time to stop and deny it. I'm not going to sit there and argue with fools. And, uh, and so do you realize this? All right. I'm just going to present this for your consideration that you don't have to respond to every fool that says things about you. Jesus had a lot of fools say things about him and he didn't even respond. Brother Hagen had a lot of people say bad things about him. He didn't even take the time to respond. Now there's a great quote from Mark Twain, great 1800s, the 19th century author, but he said, never argue with stupid people. They will drag you down to their level and then beat you with experience. I think that's just the best quote ever. You know, oh, they're, they're so good at it. It's what they do every day. And so, you know, if you're not used to being a stupid person and a fool and getting into just stupid arguments, don't, don't even get into the ring with someone that this is their daily life and their full-time living is arguing and being full of drama. Don't even get in the ring. They'll beat you just by sheer experience. They're a professional at stupidity. Why get in there and even enter into that realm? I'm telling you, if you want to grow and mature as a Christian, you need to think before you speak, according to Proverbs 15, 28, and you're going to have to get to the point where you realize, I don't have to even respond or entertain or retaliate or even acknowledge every fool thing that is said about me or against me. All right? And as we are thinking before we speak, as we're slow to speak, I'm telling you now, you'll avoid a lot of hurtful words in the end. The second thing I want to say about thinking before you speak, and this is one of my favorites, is you'll avoid ignorant words. Ignorant words. Because I have found that when I speak before knowing the full truth of a situation, uh, if I just, you know, rattle off something, oftentimes you find out later on, that you were wrong in what you said. Now you look ignorant and foolish and stupid. And nobody wants to look ignorant and foolish and stupid. Well, look at this. Proverbs 18, 13. If you don't believe me, then maybe you'll believe the Bible here. Proverbs 18 and verse 13. And we're getting ready to look at a whole bunch of Proverbs. Who's excited about seeing some Proverbs tonight? Oh, yeah, man. Proverbs are awesome. But Proverbs 18 and verse 13. And so this is a lesson that we can either learn the hard way or we can just read the Bible and trust that it's true. So Proverbs 18, and we're going to look at verse 13. And I remember when I found this verse, I think it was 2013. Uh, I, I mean, I highlighted this. I've got stars all around it. I, I have underlined it all. This is a big time verse that I try to follow in my life. Proverbs 18 and verse 13, it says, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Now, I'll be honest that there's been times when I've commented on something without really knowing what I was talking about and ended up looking foolish. Now, I recognize that I'm the only one in this room that's done that, so... 
You know, none of you have ever done that. I know this. I mean, I know you all well. None of you have ever done this, but I have. And it's embarrassing when you have to look back later and say, you know what? I shouldn't have even said anything until I knew the truth of the matter. And so having done that before, I try my best now not to comment on something until I know the facts. You know, someone will say, hey, this is going on. What, what, what's your opinion on it? I don't have one because I have no idea if what you're telling me is true or not. I have no idea. I don't even know, you know, what I don't know. I'm not going to comment on something that I know nothing about. And then in the end, you know, I've blown up somebody or burned somebody. It's not going to happen. Now, the, the past few years, I'm sure we've all noticed that people in our society, uh, they're, they're more quickly to chime in on topics that they actually know nothing about. Have you seen that? I mean, I've seen, I was shocked, man, 2020, the people that were infectious disease experts. And I was like, Buzz Light, you're on Toy Story. I'm like, I don't believe that man's ever been to medical school. Like, I, I just know what, he doesn't know, this, what, what? No, this guy doesn't even wash his hands. Like, and you're going to tell me about, no. And so, but everybody all of a sudden, you know, is just experts on everything. Or, or maybe you'll see a, you know, a, a major uh, court case on national TV and, I know he's guilty. I can tell by looking at him. You can tell by looking at that. What? No. Don't spout off and say stuff if you don't know what the facts are. Now, our modern society is professional at jumping to conclusions on things. That's a dangerous thing. You know, we've seen the last few years people's entire lives ruined within a matter of minutes because somebody took a three-second clip of their life. And I'm saying, you could, if you wanted to videotape me every day of my life, you're going to find things that, yeah, you could probably blow me up over. I mean, come on. All of us have things where you could look at their lives like, oh, oh, got him. He's not perfect. Let's just cancel him, ruin his job, ruin his family, blow his whole life up. Now, that is... Highly unethical, first of all. And if you just spout off before knowing the facts, you realize that the ninth commandment, remember the ten commandments, all right? The ninth commandment is thou shalt not bear false witness. And if you're going to bear false witness, and I mean you're just sure that you know what you're talking about on something, and you just spout off, you are good chance you're breaking the ninth commandment. And, you know, I realize that we don't live our entire lives by just trying to keep the ten commandments, but... It's a pretty good idea to not go around doing that because the Lord thought that it was a really big deal, and he still does. It is really, really wrong to bear false witness and accusations against somebody, all right? And so another great thing that I, just in my life, you know, the shoe fits where for you, but I've learned that not everybody cares for or needs my opinion on every topic under the sun. So, you know, I'll talk the Bible all day long. There's a certain amount of people that want my opinion on the Bible. So, you know, praise God for that. But there's, a, but, but not every topic do I need to have an opinion on it or, or give my opinion on, uh, because it's not worth blowing up entire relationships that I've spent years working on over, you know, a football team or a, a restaurant or something. I mean, seriously, it's not worth it. And so I'll just keep it to myself, and it, and it's fine. I'm a patient guy. I can wait until we get to heaven for God to tell you you were wrong. I'm good. I don't need. All right. I don't need that validation here on earth. Amen. All right. So, uh, but while we're on that, there, fun fact, and a lot of you do know this, 
Now, don't boo me until I finish my statement, please. Women do use more words on average than men. We know this. <laughs> but someone pointed out the other day, and I thought this is really good. Somebody pointed out uh, that we now know the reason why they have to use more words. And I would, I would agree with this because every time the kids come and ask dad a question, he just responds with three words. Go ask mom. Right. And so no wonder they've got to get more words out because, hey, in my life, if the kids come up, dad, can we do it? Go ask mom. I don't, they don't even finish the sentence before I say, go ask mom. All right. And so now I get it. But past the fun facts, while we are in the book of Proverbs, I do want to show you several Proverbs in a row. Okay. This is the lightning round. You got your pens ready. You got your Bibles ready. Who's ready for the lightning round of Proverbs? All right. So we're going to get several verses here regarding our words and our mouths. And so this is specifically in reference to, you know, not speaking on something until you actually know what you're talking about. So Proverbs 10, verse 19, Proverbs 10, 19, it says, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Can I get an amen? That's a good one, you know. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. How about Proverbs 17, 28? Proverbs 17, 28. Let's do it. Oh, this is a good one. I love this one, man. I love all of these. These are all good. Proverbs 17, 28. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouth shut, they seem intelligent. That's, I mean, that's a, all joking aside, that is a, a really good bit of advice right there. If you will just, you know, simply know how to refrain and, 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 you know, there's the right time to speak up. We get that. But, but if you simply know when to keep silent, people will think you're probably a genius. Like, oh my gosh, she is so smart. She just never says anything out of line. Yeah. Cause I don't talk very much and you know, <laughs> in the wrong times, it's not hard. And so listen to me, even fools seem intelligent when they keep their mouth shut. I didn't say it. The Bible says it. All right. Proverbs 18, verse 2. All right. Proverbs 18, verse 2. It says this. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Again, hey, right on, man. Right on, brother. He nailed this. That You ever you ever talk to a fool? I'm sure you've talked to a fool. There's plenty of them out there. They're everywhere. But when you talk to a fool and you can present... All the facts. You can present really good information, even if it's about the Bible. Even if you're presenting, you know, really solid biblical evidence or proof, it could be just as obvious as the noonday sun, and they still are not interested. They don't get it because they don't have any interest in understanding the truth. They only want to air their own opinions. That is, that's, that's a foolish thing. Proverbs 21, verse 23. Are you still with me? Proverbs 21, 23. It says, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. Amen. Good words. You know, hey, you will. The more that we keep our mouth shut, the more we'll stay out of trouble. Now, again, I'm not. There's a time to speak up when there's, you know, uh, uh, something going on that needs spoken up. We get that. But what we're really referencing here is, again, not everybody needs my argumentative, combative opinion on everything in the world. I can, I'm, you know, I just refrain and until it's something that actually matters. And something I have found out is if you 
refrain your words until it's something that's actually important and matters, people will listen. Truth. I'm telling you the truth right now. If you don't just constantly, you know, talk about it, always have, you know, everything, your mouth always running, listen. I'm just trying to help people here. I'm helping myself. But listen, the more that we refrain, when it comes down to a really important issue and you finally say something, people are going to listen because they're like, oh, wow, he doesn't usually say much, but this is, he's saying, I need to listen to what he, uh, this is, this must be important if he actually has something to say on this. And again, that's, uh, you know, praise God. That's the truth. All right. Proverbs 29, verse 20, Proverbs 29, verse 20. Who's enjoying the lightning round of Proverbs? All right, let's go. Let's go. Proverbs 29, verse 20. Good stuff. All right. And it tells us this. There is more hope for a fool than for someone who speaks without thinking. There it is again. That's the whole theme of what we're talking about tonight. Think before you speak. If you constantly, consistently, I would say make a lifestyle out of speaking without thinking, there's still hope for you, but it's less hope than there is for an actual fool, right? There's more hope for a fool than there is for you. If you consistently, now again, I always try to point out with sin and anything else that there's a difference between, hey, we messed up, we sinned once, we used to do this, and then making something your entire lifestyle, right? And so I think if if it's just a lifestyle and it's your daily thing where you just constantly speak out on everything without, you know, actually uh, thinking, then that's a really bad spot to be in. There's more hope for a fool than there is for you. Now, one sign of immaturity is someone who speaks on issues without knowing the facts. And I was just remembering we got this hurricane that's, you know, supposed to be hitting Florida today and all this stuff. Well, I was thinking back to five years ago. I remember 2017, uh, uh, Hurricane Harvey hit Houston, right? And it was big and bad and all this stuff. But I specifically remember at the time that there was a lot of really negative, bad people saying things about Joel Osteen and this uh, in this uh, time period about I can't believe him this hurricane's hitting the whole city and they aren't even opening up their church shame 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 I don't know maybe you remember google it it's on there and so I remember and I'm not you know anyway I, I'm not saying for or against Joel Osteen I'm just saying like people that I know ordained ministers are like that rich, terrible, he's probably out in his private jet somewhere. He's probably eating flaming mignon and lobster while people are dying right outside of his church building. What a shame. And I mean, just people that are supposed to be Christians, spirit-filled, Pentecostal people just like us. And so I'm seeing all this, and I'm like, I don't know. That is, I mean, that doesn't sound like something that they would do, you know, at his church. I know they're very benevolent and, and take care of the community. Well, come to find out the next day, the church finally responds and like, it is true. We didn't open up our building for everybody to come in from the hurricane because we've got six feet of water standing in our building. They'd all drown. Now, the worst thing we could do is get everybody into the building. There was a reason why they didn't have everybody come into the building. They couldn't. Their building was flooded just like everybody else's was. And so I, you know, I wanted to. I didn't, but I sure wanted to. I wanted to contact a few people that I know that are ordained ministers 
in other states and say, hey, what about this now, huh? What about you just threw mud all over this guy's reputation and here he is in the same situation as everybody else? Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. It's sinful. It's false witness. It's ignorant. It's wrong. It's a lie. How shameful is that? And, and, and then they also found out that, that, that the church there, Lakewood Church, they were prepared before the hurricane came and they had bought thousands of air mattresses and thousands of pounds of food and, and generators. And so they were pre-prepared to help people from the hurricane anyway. But then this happened to them. And so I'm just saying, don't look foolish and, and ignorant. Uh, listen to the facts. Think before you speak. And if a situation presents itself, hey, what's your opinion on this guy? Hey, what's your opinion? Well, I don't, I don't have one because I don't know the facts. I'm not going to speak on something that I don't even know anything about. And then the more you do that, the less credible your opinion and your word is. Think about the boy that cried wolf. You know that story, right? Man, that's a banger. That's a good story, right? And so, listen, this little boy all the time, you know, cries wolf and, oh, there's a wolf out there. And after a while, no one believes him anymore. Then when the day comes and uh, there actually is a wolf, nobody listens, nobody believes. And so if we're just constantly all the time just, you know, letting it roll, when there really is a situation or you really do have something valuable to say, your opinion and your your witness, your words, they carry a lot less weight. Amen? You get what I'm saying tonight? You know, we're just trying to help people. Amen? All right. And so uh, we, we have to learn to think before we speak. Can you say that with me? Think before we speak. All right. And number three is this. Number three, if you'll think before you speak, you'll avoid doubtful words, doubtful or doubt filled words. Now, this is one of the biggest reasons to learn how to control your mouth. Because when the enemy attacks, the last thing you need to be doing is, is, is speaking negative, doubt-filled words and just giving the devil more ammo to fight you with. So, you know, I thought of it this way. Like when a fire breaks out, right, uh, uh, and, and, and you start spouting off negative, faithless, doubt-filled words, what you, you're just throwing gasoline on the fire and you're making it worse. But if the fire breaks out and you start speaking the word of God, you start rebuking the devil, you start speaking words of faith. No, in the name of Jesus, we are making it through this. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Come on. When you start talking like that, you are putting that fire out with water. Amen. And so your words, they're powerful. But you've got to know how to use them the right way. Here's one final proverb, and then I'll close off in the New Testament. But Proverbs 18.21, you got to know this. But who knows Proverbs 18.21 already? Come on, yeah. We've even got a little wrap around here we do with it. I'm not going to do it tonight, but it's real. It's real. It's a real thing, amen? All right, my mom says to do it. Proverbs 18.21. But if you do it in the King James, it has a terrific rhyme to it. So death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18.21. Come on. All right. All right. Come on. We can all. Yeah, we can all do it. Come on. So I'll I'll repeat it again. It's on the screen. But except we didn't do the last part. And those who love it will eat the fruit. But death and life are in the power of the tongue. 
Proverbs 18, 21. Here we go. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18, 21. Let's go. Yeah, come on. You did it. All right. So if you have trouble memorizing scripture, I highly recommend putting a beat to it. And then, you know, trying to find the words that rhyme. And if you got to go to the King James to get that, do it. But either way, you know, you, you want to memorize it. And so what I'm saying is, with your words, speak life. And I am convinced that most Christians don't know how critical it is for them to speak right words over their life. Remember, the title tonight is, Think Before You Speak. Now, know this much. That if God's word is what has been on your heart and on your mind, that's what will come out of your mouth in the heat of battle. If God's word is on your heart, on your mind, whenever the devil attacks, God's word will come straight out of your mouth. And I know this because I've, I've done this both ways. I've had times where I just, God's word hasn't been all over my heart and all over my mind. And then something happens and the first thing that comes out is like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Oh no. Oh, this is bad. This is bad. Oh my goodness. And you know, not cuss words, but doubt words, right? And that's bad. That's wrong. That's not how it should be. But if I have been filled up with God's word, the devil can go for a punch. And the first thing that comes out is the word of God. No, I get thee behind me, Satan, in the name of Jesus. It is written. Amen. That, uh, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. Third John Two, amen. And so, uh, Jesus said it. Write this down. Write it down. Right, Matthew twelve thirty four. And the easiest way to remember this verse is Matthew one two three four. Matthew twelve thirty four. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so, whatever's on your heart comes out of your mouth. If faith and God's word are on your heart, it'll come out of your mouth. If doubt and negativity are on your heart. It will come out of your mouth. You won't even have to tell us, you know, if you're a negative person, we'll know. You'll identify yourselves, right? Or if you're a faith-filled person, you won't even have to brag about it. We'll just know because we'll hear faith coming out of your mouth. And so, for you tonight, I want you to listen to this. A good way to test where your faith is, is to take an inventory of the words you've been speaking lately. Do that. I've been doing that in my life. Listen, if you want to really know... Where's my, how's my faith level right now? I challenge you to just reflect over the last little season. Would you say you've been negative, pessimistic, doubtful? Or would you say that you've been filled with faith? Positive Bible words are coming out of your mouth. But you can really just do a quick self-test on yourself and see where your faith level has been simply by judging your own words lately. Now, you know, sometimes a self it may hurt, but you need to know. <laughs> you need to know so you can change it if you need to. Uh, let's look at one last thing just because we have to. Uh, because, oh, man, Mark eleven twenty two. Let's do it. Mark eleven twenty two, 22, verses 22 through 24. Who knows that these are some awesome verses? So Mark 11, 22 through 24 in the King James. And we're talking about (laughs) avoiding doubtful words and having faith-filled words. And so if you'll think before you speak, or if you got the word of God on your heart and on your mind, this is what comes out of your mouth in the heat of battle. Mark 11, verse 22, King James. And Jesus answering saith unto them, have 
faith in God. That's not the, you know, most groundbreaking teaching of the century, but that if you at least get that, have faith in God. What does that mean? Jesus says, just trust God. It's not even that complicated. Have faith in God, people. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith whatsoever, whatsoever. Amen. You got to say it. You got to believe it. It's how you got saved in the first place. You believed in your heart. You said with your mouth, if you've got a mountain in your life, you got to believe in your heart, say with your mouth, and you shall have whatsoever you sayeth. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. Amen. Believe whatever it is you desire. As long as it's godly, whatever it is you desire, believe you receive and ye shall have them. And so I'm telling you, use your words to move mountains, not make the mountain taller, right? I, you know, you, your words are powerful. You can either move that thing out of the way and march on through to the promised land, or you could just keep exalting that mountain. Whatever you talk about, you're exalting. You could exalt Jesus by talking about him, or you could exalt that mountain and make it a Mount Everest. Don't do that. Speak to the mountain in the name of Jesus and have it cast into the sea and start seeing some miracles in your life. Amen. I'm going to close out just by quoting Proverbs 15, 28, right where we started, bringing it full circle right to where we started. Proverbs 15, 28, the heart of the godly. That's you. You're godly. If you, I believe you. The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking or posting or typing the mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words and so let that be an encouragement and a reminder to you tonight use your words for powerful godly good things in the name of jesus and think before you speak amen let's give the lord some praise tonight as we close this thing down hallelujah all right praise god well, let's stand up together can we do that let's stand up together Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to have my prayer team come on up tonight and uh, we'll we'll uh, have Greg play some guitar for us here. But if you're here and you need prayer, man, you know what? We want to pray for you. We want to agree with you tonight and, and see the Lord move in your life. And, uh, and, and if you just, you know, if God dealt with you tonight, stay, stay right where you're at and, and, and worship God and thank him because the Lord loves those that he disciplines and corrects. And so, Hey, if he's correcting us, man, we are a loved people. Amen. All right. Well, let's just take a minute here tonight and, uh, uh, to worship the Lord. If you need prayer, come on up. Giants fall. You use songs of praise to shake prison walls. I will speak to my feet. I will preach to my tongue. You will faithful then. You'll be faithful now. You make mountains move. You make giants. Fall. You use songs of praise to shake praise. 
going to go ahead and close out tonight. Everybody receive from the word of God tonight. Amen. Yeah. All right. So tomorrow when you're presented with a situation, you know, that maybe you don't even know anything about, you're going to refrain or maybe someone does something that really gets your emotions going high. What are you going to do? You're going to pause and say, I'm not going to talk about it right now. You're going to, you're going to pump the brakes. Amen. All right. Praise God. Well, let's go ahead and close out in prayer. Want to remind you to, Hey, Please be here Sunday morning. You know, it's a very special day to, for all of us, I believe. And uh, Pastor Katie and I are very excited about uh, this Sunday. So even if you're not normally a Sunday morning person, please come out this Sunday and celebrate with us. And uh, we're going to have a little reception afterwards and stuff. But but be here and uh, and just I want you to take part of this special day with us. Amen. It's super cool. All right, let's go ahead and pray. And we will dismiss. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, uh, for what we've seen in your word tonight. And, Lord, we know that that your word is always right. Uh, It's always right. It's always true. And so I pray that we will take what we have heard tonight, and, Lord, we'll apply it to our lives. Lord, we're not going to try to apply it to everybody else's life. We're going to try to apply it to our life. And we know that as we speak faith words instead of negative doubt words, Lord, that we can tell that mountain to be cast into the sea, Father, and we know we'll see the great miracles in our life. We love you. We praise you. Bring us back safely Sunday. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? All right. Let's speak some words of faith together tonight. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen. See you Sunday.